0: Hey, this is Paul, a.k.a. Nermix, from the Intellivisionaries podcast. When I get tired of playing the original 16-bit console, the Intellivision, I tune into the SNES podcast. It's the best Super Nintendo podcast that I've ever promoted.
1: The SNES Broadcast, with your hosts, Soul Blazer and Alessandro.
2: This podcast is episode number 22. Uh, This is your regular host Greg, and I'm also joined joined again by my once again and like my now regular uh, co-host.
1: This is Alessandro. Um, It's great to be back, Greg. Thank you so much.
2: Yes, Uh, and we are joined joined by this podcast also uh, with a third uh, person, like the guest host of this podcast. Uh, I'm very pleased to be able to introduce uh, like Andy to the uh, podcast. Um, So, how's it going tonight? It's going pretty well. Okay, um, so the game we're talking about uh, is the classic RPG, uh, Final Fantasy IV, which was released, released for Super NES, Final Fantasy II, uh, in Japan, North America, back in, uh, in my, by 1991, by, by Square. So, um, Andy, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Super NES uh, history experiences, your first time with the system, that kind of stuff?
0: Uh, well, my first time with the system, My mom bought it for me for Christmas, and she ended up playing it before I did, (laughs) but uh, she got it for me for Christmas, and I believe I got Mario World with it, and, you know, played Mario Brothers. I'm a big Mario Brothers fan as well. Uh, Got Donkey Kong, all three of the Donkey Kongs for it, and, you know, just various different games me and my mom would always play together. You know, she was a younger parent, so, you know, we just enjoyed video gaming together, and. Just had a lot of good memories with it. A lot of good games I played on it.
1: Wow, i was so jealous. Honestly, like my mom would never touch it. Like she would never touch a controller. or Even I try to understand why I love this so much. So that's a really cool backstory. I think it's an really, uh, experience. Um,
0: actually, for Mother's Day last year, I got her one of the Super Nintendo Juniors, and we still play it now. I got her that and the Donkey Kong games again, just mm, you okay. know, because it's something we both loved, and you know, we still we still get together sometimes and play.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, so you said you got this for Christmas. Was so this back when the system was brand new, or more toward playing more toward the town of its life?
0: It was either the first year it came out, or possibly the second, but I want to say it was, you know, the release year for it. 91 then, okay, yeah, but, um, uh, so how old were you?
2: Oh, phew.
0: either five or six, I mean, I was little. little.
2: Mm. So this is your first game system period? I'm sorry? So this is your first video game console period that you played?
0: Um, I had an NES first.
2: Do you have any memories, like, memories of playing that, playing on that one, though, before this, though? Um... Uh, really just Mario 1 and 3 is all I
0: remember playing on the NES, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I was like 3, 4, and 5, and I don't remember too much about back then, but I remember playing a lot of uh, Mario 3 more than I do Mario 1.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, besides Super NES, do you have any other systems that you're really fond of that you enjoy playing?
0: Honestly, I still like the Sony PlayStation 1. Yeah. I know it's kind of on that cusp of being retro to some people, but I still consider it retro. Yeah,
2: it's definitely but, retro, like it wouldn't have to be dated it's like it's retro.
0: Exactly. <laughs> That's how I see it. And I mean it it had a lot of good ports. You know, they ported most of the old Final Fantasies to it. Yep. Um, had some new ones on it, it had seven, eight and nine. Yep. And honestly, just as far as consoles go, go that and the Super Nintendo are probably the two best you can get for RPGs.
2: Yes, definitely. Well, the PS2 also has some great RPGs on it, also. It did. It did. But uh, yeah, that's a great segue though, because like you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people cut their teeth on Final Fantasy series with Final Fantasy VII uh, yep. because t- because a huge success. Uh, of that game, uh, the game uh, how popular worldwide that it was. I know from talking to like Atlantio um, uh, uh, author of Mike, he, his first Final Fantasy game was like, Final Fantasy Seven. So, um, so was Final Fantasy Seven your first uh, your first Final Fantasy game, or, or did you play some of the earlier ones?
0: Actually, seven was my first, and I liked it so much that I went back and started playing the older titles. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see what everybody says about seven. It's a great game, but they did kind of simplify it for a newer audience, and I kind of see what everybody sees in kind of the older titles. You know, there was more, more of a Dungeon and Dragons feel, I suppose. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was made to be an RPG dungeon grinding game.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, looking. Looking back at the games now, I definitely had the kind of same experience with it. Uh, mine was a little bit different, uh, because I actually played Final Fantasy backwards brand new. Uh, I got the I uh, I got the game from my NES in December 1990 when it came out. Uh, because I already had played and beat Dragon Warrior at that point, so I was, uh, I was already like a pretty big fan of the Japanese style of RPG. So uh, I remember seeing, I remember seeing a, um, a preview article in, in Nintendo Power sometime in late 1990 or early 91. Early, early we had screenshots of Super NES games that were in development coming up, and one of the screenshots was a, which was a screenshot of the Japanese version of Final Fantasy II. I'm showing a battle scene, and I'm like, "Oh God, it looks so good. That must be mine." So, <laughs> um, uh, I got this game with my I got this game, but my system, uh, brand new for Christmas of '91. Uh, the only, uh, uh, the one game I bought with it, along with the pack in Super Mario World. And to this day, this is still uh, Final Fantasy II still remains the most expensive game I uh, the most expensive game that I ever bought. Uh, I paid so many bucks for it.
0: That's back when Nintendo just had the whole market, and they're like, "You're gonna pay this for a game, or you're just not gonna play it."
2: Well, RPGs in particular were also very expensive. I mean, like you know, I remember Final Fantasy VI was uh, like almost, 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 almost the same price tag. Earthbound, Chrono Trigger—they were all expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was like an RPG tax on games, the flight games back then. So, but uh, uh, so like Lontrio, um I know you said that you also had gone back and played six after time of seven. Uh, Did you have kind of the same experiences with Andy? Yeah,
1: so Andy, like I relate, because, you know, Seven was my first Final Fantasy, but my beginning of RPG in terms of a genre and and my um, openness to it, because I'm very fond of that genre, is it started on Super Nintendo with um, Squaresoft's other titles. I started with Secret of Evermore, Mm -hmm. and then I loved that style so much, that Secret of Mana, even though it came out before um, the Evermore uh, title. I was familiar then with Squaresoft. um and then when final fantasy 7 came out around 97 you know um, and i saw the graphics and <laughs> at the time it just of course just blew everyone's minds so um i transitioned to the playstation and yeah final fantasy 7 was my first entry into the series mm. but um you know the last week i've been playing final fantasy um, two, And I say two because I'm playing the Super NES-specific um, version, the original, not um, any of the other ports. Right. Because I really wanted, just for the purpose of a Super NES podcast, I just wanted to experience that game specifically so we could talk about it. And I guess some of the issues it had, and, um, and I'm sure we'll get into that a bit later. But uh, it was it's a great experience. I've spent about uh, 15 hours. I put 15 hours into it. Um, and I was telling Greg uh, off off the mic, i um, uh, at first, I wanted to just get through it as quick as I could because I wanted to finish it before we recorded this. But I'm really enjoying it, so I didn't want to rush it. Um, and the experience is totally fresh for me. And mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, I'm glad I got to uh, go back and really see the, where the roots came from in, in terms of the active time battle system because that was in Seven and the evolution of it. I can see a lot of familiarities with that game. Um, and this one, especially with the drive of story, I think this game is really driven by the story, and um, that I love that about an RPG, um, mm. definitely.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's kind of ironic that you mentioned Secret of Evermore, like it's being like one of your first games, because ironically enough, that game was actually developed by SquareSoft's uh, yeah. US branch. That was an the American one, yeah, the game. yeah, mm. that was an American-made game. So it's like you yeah. know, um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, Final Fantasy. Um, but again and again like you know for sake of get some consistency I'm gonna call it Final Fantasy 4 during the podcast because officially it's officially that's what it is but the game was released as Final Fantasy 2 so like so I understand I'm not, we're not looking to confuse anybody out there just like you know just, <laughs> yeah. um uh, the two titles are pretty much pretty much interchangeable, um, but the game was released to Final Fantasy II for the Super NES because because the other games hadn't been released uh, had, the other games had not been released outside of, out of Japan, so they're trying not to like, they're trying not to, like they're trying not to confuse anybody. So um, instead, all Square did was delay the confusion about like ten years until Final Fantasy 7 came out. So, but but that's a whole different story. But uh, yeah, um, um, Final Fantasy. Uh, but Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3, also with Super NES, uh, were not released in Powerlands. lands. Uh, you guys missed this game. Uh, uh, these, games did not, these games did not get a power release until PlayStation port. Uh, yes. uh, like the PlayStation ports. Yes, it was 90s. released on the anthology. We got
1: an anthology, I think, yep. with the Final Fantasies on the PlayStation One, yep. I don't that I can remember.
2: And yeah. it's, it's the first time, since and, yeah. and it's the first time those games, those games, those games, like released. Um, Oh, like I said, North America, and Japan. So. Um... And
1: I, uh, I remember I bought the anthology, and I remember I couldn't play this game. I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't do it because going from seven to this was quite difficult. Like I didn't. Now that I'm a bit older, I can see a lot of value in it as a, you know, um, as an RPG. And uh, back then, I just visually it just really wasn't. Um, yeah, I think I could put the word uninspiring because I went from these fantastic cutscenes um, on the PlayStation Seven. And yeah, but like I said before, I'm so glad that I can now appreciate this type of game, um, even for its limitations today.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you definitely hit the nail on the head there with the biggest problem because I have said uh, because I have friends also uh, who who enjoyed Final Fantasy VII, uh, but they can't go back to the older games mostly because of either the graphics, or the gameplay, or like whatnot. It's kind of like you know trying to get somebody who's used to playing a modern um, well. Here, perfect example: uh, Metroid Zero Mission, uh, like an enhanced version of Metroid, with a lot of concessions and concessions and ease, like an ease put into the game that modern game players expect. That wasn't, it uh, wasn't around or available back when the game first came, uh, came, came out. Came out came up back in '86. Things like have like auto map and save, and save rooms and that, and save rooms and that, save rooms, and that kind of stuff. And you know, I can't go back to like, I got, and nowadays, I, I nowadays, because of that I can't go back to Metroid. Metroid. Because, like you know, having these have these conveniences in zero mission, which make it so much more easier and better, I don't see it as being a cop out. I just see it as being like games. Games have evolved, has uh, you know, games have evolved over the years and evolved with time, as gamers have grown up and, and, and matured and game styles developed and whatnot. And um, uh, but the Final Fantasy series is definitely a great example of that, also because, like you know, um, I'm a huge Final Fantasy play, uh, uh, fan. I played every. Uh, um, i like, you know, I played and beat every game in the series, and still to this day, Final Fantasy IV is still my all-time favorite, uh, uh, like in the series. Um, can,
1: can you can you expand on that? I mean, because you've played them all, um, especially when I see the NES versions of this game, and I, I look at this game as more of a an upgrade to the, the original 8-bit entries, just because it's just it's a similar graphic engine, uh, similar engine, but the graphics are obviously enhanced with mm-hmm. the Super Nintendo. using the power of the Super Nintendo, but like. What's, what's the specific reasons why this one is your favorite? Is it more of a nostalgic aspect because it was the first game you got on the Super Nintendo or do you find that just a lot of the elements of the gameplay and the mechanics is appealing to you?
2: You know I'd say both. Uh, uh, there's definitely there's definitely nostalgic factor going on here, but also uh, but also like the same reason that Andy uh, like you mentioned earlier, this game has an amazing story, has wonderful music, uh, has very good engaging characters. Uh, the gameplay is very fun. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I love Final Fantasy VI, uh, which was released for the Super NES. Final Fantasy III, almost as much as this game. It's very, very close as think which one I'd say like is better. Um, I give the nod to Final Fantasy IV slightly, slightly because I think the story's like a little bit better. Uh, the soundtrack, the soundtrack is just a wee bit better. You uh, the mm. even though the six also has even six also has an awesome soundtrack. Um, Uh, And also the fact that I think the characters are a little bit more interesting, like in this game. And the fact that the fact this game's received so many ports and upgrades and and, um, enhancements over the years definitely seems to indicate that I'm not the only one who feels this way. I mean, like you know, this has definitely been Square's most milked game in the franchise, uh, as far as you know, uh, uh, as far as ports and releases that kind of stuff. And and we'll get into all that. you it on that. Also, later on the podcast. So, um, so Andy, uh, like, how about you? Have you played? Have you played a number of Final Fantasy games? Uh, how, you know, how does this one like rank to you?
0: Well, I've played just about all of them. I haven't played Lightning Returns, mm-hmm. yep. and I didn't really uh, play too much of Ten. I got through half of Ten. It just wasn't really doing it for me, but. On the scale of all the ones I've played, except for those two, this one's pretty high up on the list. I won't say it's my favorite, but it's definitely in the top four, no pun intended. Uh, You know, I I feel about Like You on a lot of things. The soundtrack is great. The story's very engaging. There's a wide array of individual characters that go through growth and developments, but I still won't say it's my favorite. I just happen to like 6 a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely recommend this game for anybody that's cutting their teeth on RPGs or hasn't played older RPGs and wants to go back and try some. I would definitely recommend this game without any fear of reprisal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree. Like... This game is a great entry point to RPGs, and I think it does a better job than what Mystic Quest that was released a bit later for the North American market was supposed to do, was was trying to slowly introduce the market into a a simplified RPG, but I feel like this one's very accessible. Um, It doesn't hold your hand, but it's... You don't need to grind in this game, for example. Like You can just go through the story and it just does a great job elevating you and your characters um, without having to uh, put yourself in a position where you're lost or have to turn to guides, for example. I've, I've found that anywhere, personally.
0: As long as you don't run away from every battle you get into, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, and what's funny about that, like I said, Square actually did simplify this game, like the North American release, because they were worry that people here, that, that people here in the States, like, are finding it quite difficult, so, um, so it's kind of fun to think about how, how gaming trends then, like, versus now, how things have changed, so. Well, um, doing, like, of course,
1: in hindsight, you know, again, bringing up Mystic West, yeah, that was a, a decision they made because they saw the slow impact of Final Fantasy 2 on the console, but... If you look into you know into it further, Final Fantasy two or four for the Super Nintendo had a very slow build um, in terms of sales and acceptance, and eventually it was such a well. Even though it didn't sell amazingly well, it was an RPG that was played a lot later in the system's um, life cycle from people who are, were interested in RPGs. And then once it grew as a genre, it was definitely a go-to for a lot of people. Um, but like I said, I think. The way they put this together even i think they, they released it later in japan is the easy mode i'm not sure maybe you can clarify a bit more on that great yeah. but um like i said yeah just so accessible and it just does a great job as an entry point um for rpgs because personally even me like i love that genre but i don't want a difficult rpg like um if we're bringing up like systems like i'm not a fan of the job system in the final fantasy some games yeah. um, have that job system and i don't want that complication even though it's customizable I want to grow with characters i like to see what they deliver in the game in terms of story so i can relate and um go on the journey together where a job system for example gives you so much modification on your characters and i and i personally as an rpg player don't want that option that's why i like this specific um mechanic in this game because of the accessibility of it
2: yeah definitely i mean, I you know uh, that actually brings up a great point, the fact that like, you know how a, um, you know there's two very different styles, uh, there's, like styles of RPGs out there. You uh, you have what's called the JRPGs, the Japanese RPGs, uh, which are, you know, which very like slower based, uh, usually like you turn battle story heavy, that kind of stuff. And then, and then you also have Western style RPGs, uh, which originally started on computers back in the 80s with games like Ultima, uh, which are. Uh, which, 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 switch a faster paced uh more focus upon battles gameplay that kind of stuff and they um uh and they, as a kid and teenager like these 90s i played mostly all jrpgs i was a huge jrpg fan all the way up until Oh God, probably about, like you know, 10 years ago. But like you know, um, uh, the Final Fantasies being like first and foremost like in my mind. The Dragon Warrior is also because like I said, my first RPG. Uh, so like, original Dragon Warrior. But um, this genre to me exemplifies every exemplifies both everything that's so great and uh, uh, and also what's so bad about like about RPGs. Um, but I really feel that JRPGs these days have really stagnated, uh, and my like my taste taste have definitely changed, swung so have, so have definitely swung heavily toward the western star RPGs now. Like I'm a huge fan uh, nowadays of the BioWare and the Bethesda game series, uh, games like you know Mass Effect and, and, and uh, um, uh, Dragon Age and Skyrim uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And like you know, I haven't played. The, the only JRPGs that I play these days anymore are Final Fantasy games because, like you know, I th- because like you know, I think the whole, I, I, because, it, because I think the whole genre has stagnated, and it's kind of, it's, it's kind of sad to see, like you know, have so many revolutionary things. That the series brought the series brought in, including this game we're talking about, including this game we're talking about here today, Final Fantasy IV. This is the first game to have the to have the active battle system, as you already mentioned, and whatnot. It's kind of sad to see how so it's, just, it's sad to see the how, how how this whole franchise and genre has just really stagnated. Uh, because because the Western Star RPGs are now the ones that are offering the great stories, the great music, the, the great gameplay, but uh, there's definitely still a very. Um, like you know there's there, there, there's definitely i i have a fond place in my heart for this game and games like it but uh but i also realized i also realized that there are some serious flaws of uh, flood like this game uh which we're going to talk about to yeah. talk about next week into the podcast
1: definitely like i can i just say like i agree with you like um, andy i know you said you didn't really like 10 um I loved Ten as a as a game. I didn't like any of its extension X two. wasn't a fan, um, and I wasn't a fan of any other Final Fantasy released afterwards. But number Ten was the first step into that three D linear landscape, where it goes completely against um, what Final Fantasy was in the past um, with adventure and um, having you know the open landscape that you have option to, um when when you get to the field. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I think when you think of Mass Effect and Bioware as a whole, they're definitely inspired by the classic JRPGs, just in terms of story progression, and they've honestly elevated it to be to be able to provide choice in your options and altering the story and, you, and where you take your story. I think that's actually credit to them um, as a developer to really take that to the next level when it comes to telling a story, but it's a shame. I think also, we're, we're as retro gamers as such. Um, very hooked onto the art style of a 16-bit era as well, even from 8-bit. Um, when we look at RPGs of that era, I think it's not just the mechanics of the game and what it done, it was how it looked and how the story was told. Like, this game is, is again, going to the graphics, it's, it's not really inspiring, but the way they tell a story is um through its uh, you know uh, limitations is amazing like i didn't feel like when i was playing this that it was like oh, i don't really like what's going on i was actually enthralled to see what was happening next um and it actually inspired me to go and look at um some director's notes because i wanted to see what his inspiration was in terms of transitioning final fantasy to a more linear approach when I say linear, more of an accessible approach. And um, he wanted to make it, um, this was uh, Sakaguchi, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, him, Greg, you probably are, obviously he, he mm-hmm. was the founder of the Final Fantasy series, but yeah. you know, he wanted to create a more den- uh, dramatic um, story-driven game, and I think he's done that right here. And he's also obviously looked at the original three um, Final Fantasy games, and you wanted to pretty much get the best things from them and, and put it in this game, and that's what I think we've got. I think this is the greatest hits of the first three Final Fantasies, um, and that's what makes it special for me.
2: Sure, definitely. Uh, so, Andy, I know you said earlier that you're not really like a modern gamer, but do you have any thoughts like about, I uh, like about like what the topic that we were just talking about?
0: Well, honestly, I really just agree with you. Um, just personally I think the 16-bit era just tried to tell more with like you were saying with limitations you told more with less mm-hmm. so you had to tell a better story it needed it literally needed you know better writing better characters you didn't have flashy cutscenes and 1080p graphics you had 16-bit sprites on the screen and music which to me music is probably the biggest part of the final fantasy game.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah. I think
1: we haven't, we haven't spoken enough about it yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Maybe a little. laughs> I mean, I, I could go on for forever about it. I mean, the soundtracks really just, I won't say they make the game, but without the soundtracks, I don't think they would be really nearly as popular as
2: they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit here about some of the basic history, the history of Square and some of the developments, the developments like this game. Um, I'm sure most of the diehard fans out there listening to this probably already know all this. You know, this is more to kind of help the people who are more, like, only have more of a passing, a passing familiarity of stuff like the series. Um, Square was originally formed in Japan uh, back in 1983. Uh, they were originally a, they were originally a subsidiary of another company. They didn't become independent until three years later, 1986. in Um They originally they originally made games for a number of Japanese computers. Like they then branched out to the Famicom, which is the uh, which is the Japanese version, like the NDS, uh, several years later. Um, their games didn't do all that well, so in 1987, they put all their remaining resources resources and, and time and money like trying to make one last game, which pretty much which pretty much uh, sink, or, uh, sink or survive the company, and then of course became the original Final Fantasy. So. Um, uh, the company's really the, the the company's always walked a very fine line ever since then of trying to of trying to have Final Fantasy series as its main focus, but also at the same time not this at the same time trying to make other games like another genres, trying not to be identified as just a Final Fantasy company. Uh, they tried very hard, even though they they the they. they, they like, but even they made uh, a number of great RPGs over the years. They've also branched out and made some very good games, like uh, some other topics also. Uh, they also made like for example, like they made a space shooter, uh, which called like, you know, Ian Hander uh, for the PlayStation. That's very good. Uh, they made, uh, uh, they, made uh, they also made some fighting games. Uh, they also made some action adventure games and that kind of stuff, uh, just trying to. So the companies, the so the the, the, so the company of always kind of had a blessing and a curse, as far as as far as the Final Fantasy series, uh, like it's gone. Um, Final Fantasy has been the most su- successful successful RPG series, not only in Japan uh, but also in the world since its original 1987 release. Um, back in those days, uh, Square being a small company. Uh, uh, allowed Nintendo to publish their games in North America. Uh, the, uh, uh, Nintendo was the one who published Final Fantasy for the NES in 1990. They also published a, a Rad Racer, uh, which is a very good a, uh, a racing game, uh, like for the NES. Uh, and they also published a more obscure game, which is called like, the Kings Knight, uh, which is definitely kind of a very weird, unique NES game that I highly recommend checking out. Uh, you can kind of see like an early, and early Square game. Um, they formed SquareSoft, which was the U.S. branch of the company in 1989. Uh, Final Fantasy II was the first released game by SquareSoft, but SquareSoft's not called anywhere on the box or uh, the box or manual, just identified Square for some reason. So, um, and SquareSoft continued to be the U.S. branch of the company uh, until Square merged, uh, uh, Square merged with Enix in 2003. And so now known obviously as Square Enix. Um, Final Fantasy. Was Final Fantasy IV was originally conceived as being a NES game. Uh, they were making, they were going to do Final Fantasy IV for the NES and Final Fantasy V for the Super NES. But because of their uh, resources and of uh, resources and advanced technology, they scrapped the NES version of the game and focused upon the Super NES version of Final Fantasy IV instead. So um, um, the game, like uh, the game, got released in Japan later in later '91 and it was a smash hit. Uh, and Square desperately wanted to bring this game over to the States. But they were worried about the fact how RPGs at that time were very, very niche uh, in the West. Very few RPGs uh, had come out had come over here, like in Japan. So Square did a number of things to try to change and modify the game, to try to make it more acceptable uh, and also make it easier for Westerners to get into. Uh, one thing they did was they took the version of the game and they also, uh, uh, finally like modified it. They made an easier version of the game. Uh, like the enemies not being as tough, uh, some of the counter rates decreased, that kind of stuff, which became known as Easy Type. Uh, so, um, the so, so we got here in, in the Super NES was, was, a, was that Easy Type version. Uh, the Easy Type version was eventually also released in Japan, also. It's kind of like an easier, uh, uh, it's kind of like an easier kid version of Final Fantasy, of uh, uh, Final Fantasy IV. Um, this is the, the Super NES release of the game. It's the only version, it, like the only, easy, it, it, the only easy type that got released in the West. By the way, like the, 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 the game, like every the version of the game since then, like the original hard type. Um, they also, they also went ahead and, and produced an excellent manual. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, have seen the original manual, but it's this nice, big, thick, 80-page manual. That it goes into loving detail about like, you know, the story and how like how to put the game. And there's a whole section in the back dedicated, dedicated strategy guide. Uh, to, you know, how could you go in the game, that kind of stuff. Just really loving detail. One of the best this is one of the best game manuals I've ever seen. Um, and the last uh the game also side the game also put a map. Uh, this is uh, this is a luxury that you would not find in later RPGs for sure. Uh, one side of the one side of the poster had a map of the world, showing you, like, showing you all the locations of the town, and castle, that kind of stuff. And, and the other side of the map had uh, dungeons, showed, dungeon, showed, showed dungeon maps, the first like four of uh, uh, four or five dungeons dungeons that you come into. So they went above and beyond to make this a quality package, uh, package, and also uh, they they also try to make this uh, as easy uh, 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 as easy for a westerner to be able to put it to for westerners. To, to be able to pick the game up and play it. So um, uh, the, um, the North American version of the game came out to it came out in November of 91. Uh, as I said, this version was not released in PAL, in POW lands until the PlayStation port uh, many years later. Um, this version of the game is, however, available on the virtual console. Um, so if you want to play the original Super NES version, easy type and all, uh, you can't play it in a virtual console, uh, or play if you want to, so get off to one of the numerous uh, upgrades uh, versions of ports of the games that have been released since then, and we'll go into more detail about that like later on. So um this game was groundbreaking compared to earlier Final Fantasy games because of three main things that they put into it. Uh, one of them, as we already mentioned, was this first game to introduce to introduce what was called the active time battle system. Uh whereas more s supports an previous to this, uh everything was on a turn cycle. Like you'd like uh like you know, your enemies were patiently wait for you to make your moves you have you have, have you'd have like a unlimited uh, time to make your moves and then you put your commands in and then your party would go and the other party would go and so on and so on in this game however time's always running so it's like if like be thinking about you know what you want to do with the next person uh, how you want them to attack that kind of stuff uh, but time does stop when you have a menu up or whatnot. Help out a little bit. Um, the second thing this game introduced, which is the first, which is the first in the series, uh, is the summoning system. Uh, this is the first game that really, so this is the first game that introduced the summoner as a, as a class character, and this is the first game that introduced uh, many of the, uh, many of the, many of the more, many of the well-known and now recognizable uh, monsters and summons to summons. That appeared in, in later, in later Final Fantasy games. Uh, this is the first time that you saw monsters such as, like, you know, Ifrit and Shiva. Um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, you know, and of course, you know, Bahamut. So uh, the, the last change, of course, is this: the first 16th Final Fantasy game, and this game had really, for the really for the time, amazing graphics and a very rich, deep orchestral sound uh, um, soundtrack, thanks to the Stony, uh, thanks to that Stony, thanks to that Sony ship. Uh, that the Super NES used to play, play some music. Uh, even today, I think this game holds up very well in terms of 16-bit graphics. I mean, this game was just jaw-dropping when I first got it back then. The graphics, the, the graphics are so clear and so clear and deep. Um, there's the uh, uh, the backgrounds move at different, spe- different speeds. Um, the uh, uh, depending upon what terrain you're fighting on it makes a difference to what kind of graphic is shown that they show in the background, like you're fighting. Uh, the characters, are, the, the characters are all like well, the characters are all like well illustrated with movements and that kind of stuff. Um, it's really, really good, deep graphics. Really kind of a um, um, classic example of 16-bit graphics, I'd say. When, to, when anybody, to, to, when anybody says 16-bit graphics, this game comes to mind like right away because how be, because, because be beautiful and timeless uh, uh, that the graphic sprites that are used in this game are. So anyway, um, one of the things you've also mentioned her like so so I mentioned earlier in the game, uh, like with the story of this game, and this is really like a very, very great story. Um, compared to some games, you're not, but you're not thrown into like, you know, right at the start of the game, being like, you know, okay, here's your ultimate enemy, this is what you got to do, that kind of stuff. No, I mean, this is very, this is a very, this is more like of a book or a movie progression of the story, I think, which, 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 which is one of the reasons why it's so powerful to me, and the fact that, you know, you just had you. But like if I you just have a small series of events that one thing leads to another thing which leads to another thing and so on and so on that all gradually builds up until eventually you like, like eventually you like eventually do get to this like you know, worldwide plot and catastrophe that you're trying to stop and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so when the game opens, uh, your main character, like you're playing the role of Cesso, uh, I've always heard to pronounce CISO, um, but the Brits pronounce it Cesso because it's a common name over there, so I'm gonna go with Cesso I'm like saying it's I've seen it that way, like this podcast. Um, you play the role of Cecil, uh, who's a dark knight for the Kingdom of Baron, uh, for mm-hmm. the most powerful country like in the world, and and the uh, and Cecil is the commander of the Red Wings, uh, which is the airship uh, force of Baron. And the game opens with him being sent on a mission to go to a neighboring kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, magical kingdom like called Mycidia, to steal one of their crystals. Uh, there are four crystals in the game. Um, uh, and Cesar has been ordered by the king and baron to take the crystal. And that act bothers him greatly, um, so like, uh, fl- 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 when he talks about it to the king afterwards, uh, He dismissed from, from the service and given him a, like, a task to deliver a package to the village to, to to miss to prove his loyalty. Uh, so Cesar is joined by his longtime friend uh, and sometimes rival, Cain, like it's a dragoon, uh, and that's how the game starts. And, and really and really it's a very deep, engaging, and engaging story with characters coming and going off to the game. And this, like, this really engaging, the like engaging story uh, that really is I think, is I think is one of the better stories, the Final fantasy, the uh, better stories, uh, period, as far as as far as the Final fantasy series goes. Um,
0: just to interject, I just wanted to throw this in here. Thanks to Final Fantasy for. Throughout the rest of the Final Fantasy games, just as a little Easter egg, if there's a Dragoon in the game, either as a playable character or an NPC, they're either going to be named Kane <laughs> or have, a, have his ultimate weapon, so forth and so on. In every installment of Final Fantasy afterwards that I can think of, there's always a Dragoon either named Kane or Highwind. Mm-hmm. except for 5. Yeah. But in 5 it has a job system, so right. if you have somebody as a dragoon, they just have Kane's armor. Right. <laughs> I just I just like that little easter egg that you know they they keep going back to their roots. Even in Final Fantasy 14, I've happened to play 14. Um your ultimate weapon for the dragoon class is I believe Kane's lance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just little Easter eggs like that, that Square tells you, you know, we haven't forgot about the classics. We haven't forgot about what you grew
1: up with. Big <laughs> story. Um, I actually, you know, I don't think it is one of the best stories um, that Final Fantasy has told, uh, personally. I think that I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I think there's a lot of things going against it, if I could specify. Um, if that's sure. okay with you guys. Um, in my yeah. p- this is my opinion, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I've just recently played it, so of course it's a different perspective. Yeah. I don't have that nostalgic uh, attachment. But a big issue I have with it is I think the characters are turning over way too often. I find that um, that you – not to spoil – are we going to spoil things here, Greg, or is it um, – is it okay to talk about it? Because Yeah, I this, know it's an, old, it's an over twenty plus year old game. Yeah, I, I to say
2: yeah. This specific. point, like you know, spoil away because like you know, I think anybody yeah. listening to this podcast has probably already, is probably they already played the game. Yeah, So yeah. they're no one just a playing it, Period. So I don't <laughs> want to get
1: too specific. I don't want to. I don't want to get too specific. But I think they, the characters just come and come and go at like uh, ridiculous speeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, they join you for a, for a dungeon um, dungeon crawl, and then you know the plot just carries them away, and I, I, that affected me because. They're, they are well written um, within the plot, and you get an attachment to them, and you even level them up. And I just find a lot of it was wasted. Like even when um, an individual uh, passes away in your party, you know, there goes your you know your equipment. <laughs> the, the automatic uh, mindset for me was like, I need to go back to a previous save so I can de equip him with, <laughs> um, with the items because I, th- I want to sell the items for money or whatever, right? Yeah. Anyway, I think that that harms the plot a little bit. But in saying that. Um, uh, it's still, uh, it's still in a way, the characters, you can still attach yourself to them. They left an impression on me. They mm-hmm. really did. Um, so in saying that, I haven't finished it. Um, but right now, that was something that harmed it, in my opinion. Um, you know, Cecil, the, the, the main character, I think I love um, his... I don't know, the redemption aspect of his story is amazing, but I didn't like how he starts off as this Dark Knight, really cool character, and maybe it's cliche to be a knight, I guess, but when he becomes a paladin, even though that's early on, I didn't like that, <laughs> and that's just me. I just felt like he's, he became a little bit of a pastor. He, was, he, he lost a bit of his edge, and I guess that makes sense within the plot, but that's something that I didn't really uh, feel worked well. Um, and I loved Teller, Teller's quest, the older, the older mage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought they could have. I looked at that plot a little bit more. I it, it found, it, I found it to be very quick. Um, but his quest for revenge, I guess, as an aging father, um, you know, seeking justice. So all that's, you know, it all worked really well. I just would have loved to have Teller a little bit longer in my party. Mm-hmm. I just found that it went, it, it came and it came and gone. And um, maybe that's to the testament of the, the length of the game. Um, because obviously, being a Super Nintendo um, title, they weren't as long as some RPGs got in the future. So that just, you know, maybe that's not a fair statement. That mm. I might, And I love, um, you know, Edward the Bard. Yeah. I just feel like you don't get enough of this. He, he, he starts off really strong um, with the backstory, and then I just find, unless he comes in later, I don't know. Um, maybe you can uh, tell me. I've got to the moon at this moment, Greg. But does Edward come back at any uh, at any point at the end of the game?
2: Uh. Yes
1: yes okay, alright so again an unfair an unfair statement so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him um, but I just found that he was taken away and I, I liked him as a character in saying he, that in conclusion with my um, oh sorry Andy what were you going to say
0: oh I was just going to say he was a nice little spoony
1: board <laughs> yeah yeah well I want to bring that up I think that the translation I, I knew the translation going into this was bad because it's well known that it was poorly done but Jeez, I didn't realise how many grammatical errors there'd be. It's really poorly done. But I think in the end of the day, with the terrible translation, that I guess some of you have said the challenge isn't that high. I think that the game still manages to, I don't know, you get invested with the characters mm-hmm. and the world itself. Um, and I think that's a testament to this game. Um, again, it's not my favourite story, um, but it's definitely worthy of a Final Fantasy game and probably a top five yeah that's my opinion anyway. and um, you know, like I said from a perspective that I've just played it as well.
0: Hmm. I will say this about just about Final Fantasy and stories. I like Final Fantasy Five, but the story in four is better, just just kind of throwing it out there. just you know a lot of different people do say, well, the story's not as good as others, but just looking at it as a whole. They put more effort into the story in this than they did in Five and other iterations afterwards.
1: Yeah, I stayed away from Five just because of the job system. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, I love that's a fair yeah. statement, but yeah, I I just couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, Five's kind of a quirky game. Uh, it's like it's definitely fun, but it's also like the, uh, it's definitely like unique. Do you, you know, I can understand like why Square chose not to bring this over uh, like in the West originally, but they, um. Uh, but yeah you know like um, you know, definitely but like, like those points and those complaints you raised that you raised like are all like are all like, are all very common complaints uh, those are the main ones I hear about this game uh, like, like being the main knocks and I'll agree with that uh, I think part of it part of it is part of it is just because of the technology that this game was on like you said being super NES, uh, space limited that kind of stuff um, also the fact like you know how that um you know they hadn't quite really figured out because this game is old they had not so figuring out the quote-unquote best way to do things, I think, because um, just to give you, a, I know, like just to give you an example. We have Final Fantasy IV, you're correct. Characters are always coming and going. Um, you uh, you have, no choice, from like, your party as far as like you know, party composition. You have to have somebody in your party, and that's it. You you're stuck with them. Uh, six was the first game that actually. That actually allows you to be able to decide who you want to having your party at certain times. Yes, uh, six is really the one that six is really the one that that person that person that first thing to do that first, like, flexible party system that I found as a game since then like I've had. So four is more. I see four as being like half in the NES origins, half as being in the future games. And as far yes. as, <laughs> like, as far how, like as far how they were developing it, it still hadn't so that, been, fully yeah. developed yet. That that's an accurate very
0: accurate statement because you you can see in the game even if you really didn't know that it was being made for the NES or in the planning stages for NES you can still see little just little ideas and bits and pieces in there like you were saying the party system and whatnot hmm. um
2: yeah but I was like I will say also like you know like I understand the frustration of characters like dying on a regular basis like it just kind of get like you know, melodramatic after a while it's like you know, oh gee this person's like heroically blowing themselves up oh gee <laughs> but yeah, yeah
1: um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I felt it was it was impactful mm-hmm. like again I'm really invested in this story I just when someone dies that's fine if it makes sense that's fine if it's a sacrifice especially mm-hmm. it makes sense I, li- I I like that I do it's just I don't know it happens really quickly so you maybe i'm used to just i'm so i'm um, invested in in the current times of an rpg where it's you get connected with characters and it takes you longer to kind of find out their backstory here which is just such a rush you know yeah. you're telling me the character a couple of dungeons and then they are gone. um it's so that's probably my perspective on that level is it yeah. isn't fair. it fair yeah. maybe it's not fair um no, yeah, it like, is I said, fair, like because... little things like not being able to yeah. get the equipment off them yeah. like as selfish as that sounds, I just feel that was fixed by the really way. Annoying.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was fixed with later version of the game. By the way, that's one addition okay. that they made to the game to make it to, 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 like be yeah. easier for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I definitely, I, I definitely yeah. understand what you're saying because, like, you know, like one, like one melodramatic sacrifice is fine. But I can remember at least three, maybe four times in this game it happened. <laughs> and yeah. I, uh, um, yeah. But not the first time. But not the first time. Not the first time. It kind of wears a bit thin. But I will say this, however, only one, the like like only like only like only one person in the game permanently dies. So like everybody else mm. does come back to your party at some point later on down the line. So like, you go. know, um, uh, uh, so there is that one small concession, concession to at least. Um, yeah. and also the 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 also and also and also one of the, and also partly because of that, I think one of the gameplay things the game has that I love. I love how this game allows you to have... I, I, I love how this game allows you to have five people in your party. This is, so it's the mm-hmm. only final fantasy game that allows you to have a party that size. But, but, but for every have five game, you should a party like a three or four.
1: That's accurate, yes. I, I, I didn't mind five player the five-player system. The the shuffling between front and back kind of got confusing, to be honest. I don't really use it that often. I just set one formation, and that's, that's how I play. Um, but I think... We also haven't mentioned there is also a love story mm-hmm. within the plot with Rosa and Cecil, and I think that's um, I think that's done really well considering the limitations that um, of a 16-bit sprite has, you know, with the animations they can show. And I, I was really connected with the story, you know, mm-hmm. that's testament to the game design, especially when it's such an early title for the Super Nintendo. I think they've done a great job with that, you know, showing that story within a, a bigger plot.
2: Yes, definitely. I uh, you know, I'm not sure if you guys want to talk about the characters. You the, the characters of the game, like you know real quick. But uh, uh, but yeah, you know, Rose is definitely one of my favorite characters in the game. I mean, not only yeah. she's a very powerful white mage. Uh, I I you know, like, and the end of the game, Holy's such an awesome spell to have. Um, but yeah, uh, but, yeah uh, her story also like is also her story is also like very good. Um, and eventually, like eventually, like eventually, your attack power gets pretty good too because most of the games to most of the games she has to use that uh, crappy bow and arrow that's not really all that effective. Uh, but toward the end of the game, like she, uh, you already get her some powerful weapons. Mm. Uh, so like Rose definitely like like Rose like like Rose definitely like a, a very powerful character. Um, Kane, I already mentioned earlier. Kane's Kane's interesting. Kane's kind of like a friend slash rival of Cecil. And, um, and you really see both parts of that, like, we played, like, the, the game. Um, I think, I think probably Kane's story and, and that, uh, story and character is the most interesting in the game uh, and to successful because of everything he's going through and that kind of stuff. Uh, because, like, he's really, he's really interesting. Um, he's, like, he's really a very tormented, uh, character, uh, as far as, like, his, like, as far as, like, his past and, uh, and his story and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, and, uh, and yeah, his Dragoon... Powers are, are are so good. Like uh, it's so nice to be able to have them, having the party in the party like party like for attack card and that kind of stuff. Critical gets some bosses. Uh, There's some bosses you have to use them for too. So, uh, yeah. uh,
0: the arc the arc of Fiend of Wind. I can't think of the name of it right now. It's in the Tower of Babel. You you have to use Cain against that boss. Exactly. Yes. You you cannot win without Cain. Yeah. I just I'm blanking on the name right now, but.
2: They changed the name between the original version, like the original original version, like to just, like modern versions. I don't have to worry about it.
0: <laughs> I, just, uh, I I hate when that happens in a game. You,
2: well, like we said, the translation of this game was not that good. So, like you know, um, but you know, they just simply went back and gave it like something more proper translation. i mean, like, you know, Final Fantasy VI they retranslated also, but Final Fantasy VI had much better translation to start with. So, I uh, so not, I uh, so not much like that game, but like i changed but uh, um but i think
1: also just to add further to the plot and talking about story just to conclude this um i think the sci-fi element was a bit odd at first um you know that that was a bit of a uh, you know what i'm talking about greg and, and you know like the, having a, you know the spaceship and the uh, lunarian uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's i thought that was, you know quite odd um And at first I was like, where is this going? But that's tied in really well, I felt. I think that they've done a great job with that, taking that looked like at the start a bit of a cliché Final Fantasy open-world story, then applying that sci-fi element to it. I think they they did a good job implementing it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll agree.
1: It it was done fairly well. I mean, whether it's great, that's an opinion right. The way it was applied i guess is what i'm trying to say is it was it was done well considering it was a bit of a shock when i saw that i was i wasn't prepared i didn't realize that's actually where where it was going
2: mm. yep yeah definitely so just to finish talking about the characters here like you know real quick uh you also have a uh, you also have like you know like radia uh a like summoner uh originally you've, uh, you, actually, you, you actually you actually you actually counter her in two forms in the game. Her first form her first form she can do with white and black magic, but later in the game, when she's adult, uh she's she, she only gonna do black magic. Uh Tella, the sage, uh like the old man, but like very powerful, the black mage. Uh, Edward, the prince, um, uh, who's a bard, he attacks it like magic. Uh, he talks about his music. Um, you also have the uh, the Kid Twins, uh, Pal and Porum. Oh, I love these two. <laughs> uh, they, just like the, they did
0: have some good
2: writing. Yeah.
0: They, they just had a lot of good one-liners.
2: Pal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, uh, yeah, so they're, they're twins. Uh, they're very good. White. And, uh, uh, they're like. A, Theory, uh, theory twin attack and battles is very, very powerful. Uh, very interesting yes, very I spot.
0: Spam that out quite often.
2: Yeah. Um, you also have a um, uh, you also have Edge, uh, who's ninja uh like a ninja, but so you pick up like, later in the game. And, and the last playable character of the game uh, is uh, is Fusoya, uh, who's uh, who's from the aforementioned like you know, like you know Larry Halunarians. Uh, uh, so you get like they like, really uh, uh, but you get like you know, in the very late the game. Um, and for most of the game, and and I'll talk about this like real quick. For most of the game, you think the main antagonist of the game is Zemus. And I really like Zemus, as like his enemy. He's played up very well. I, I thought he did a very great job in the game as like like boating him up, um, you know, making them like you know, making this very like big bad antagonist and that kind of stuff, and really somebody like not to trifle with that, to trifle with it, fighting everything. Um, but this game this game, unfortunately, unfortunately falls like falls for like falls victim to a classic uh, RPG cliche, and I'm not really spoiling anything here by saying this. Because you have reached either, uh, because you have reached dungeon in the game, um, turns out he's not the real final enemy of the game. Somebody else is. So it's like you know, I really hate games where you think like you know you have this one big bad boss guy who's introduced to you all the game, and then all of a sudden, at the last second, turning in the game, like, oh, well, sorry, like, we lied. He's not really, like, a final opponent. This guy is. So, like, you know, somebody, somebody above him pulling the strings, that kind of stuff, the puppet master, I really dislike that because, like, you know, I, because, like, you know, so you don't see that in movies. So you don't see that in books. Um, the the, 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 uh, the man should be there front and center the whole game, I think. Like, you know, this whole, this game, this game's, this game's to me the biggest weakness point, as much as I love it, it's the biggest the biggest weak point of the game like is that like the fact that I like the fact that you out late in the game that Zemus Rui really, that that Rui really like it's not like your ultimate enemy. Uh when you've been built up and played so well so well during the game has been like has been like a you know, like big bad enemy, uh, like you ultimately have to fight fight and defeat to win the game. So that's just my own personal knock of the game.
0: Don't ever play Final Fantasy Nine.
2: Five nine does it too also.
0: Oh god, uh, it does it ten times worse. You get yeah. to the end of the game and the bad guy's like, Oh, I'm here too. You've gotta to fight me
2: now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean like you know, just like you know, it's so yeah, it's so frustrating because like you know, I really like I said, you know, Zemus is a great enemy, I think. He's really played up like very well. Just like you know, finding out finding out finding out by the end of the game that he's just, like not your final enemy is just like frustrating.
0: I was gonna say it's almost like a
2: tease. Yeah, uh, this game was very, very popular. This is uh, about Fantasy Four's fantasy games. Um, up next to seven, I think. I, I think next to seven, this game probably seen the most like ports and localization, that kind of stuff. Um, if anybody listening to this podcast has not played this game before and is curious about it, or has not played this game in a very, very long time, I honestly would, I, I, I honestly would have to say. And check out to check out one of these later versions that i'm going to talk about here like real quick because like you know there's several there's several because there's, there's several serious knocks against the original super nice release like i said like i said it's an easier version uh than the other version of the game the translations the translations pretty bad um uh there uh, there's a few so there's a few bugs uh like an errors in the game but they, um um, the first, the first version of the game was re- the first version of the game it was the Final, like, the Final Fantasy, uh, Chronicle version, the PlayStation, uh, uh, which was released in 2001, and that's the first time that this game is released like worldwide. Um, that's a pretty good version of the game. They added like an FMV intro and ending, and, and they also added the Bowie Dash in towns. Oh, so handy! It, it, it's so great being able to do that. So it's just like something with all that modern games have now. They uh, have now that ability to be able to dash through town and save time. Like so great. Um, and the game also, like game also speaks to the ability to be able to save anywhere. But the loading time of the game is horrible. How how uh, 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 how this cart-based game got ported over CD with load like loading time like is beyond me. Chrono
0: Trigger was the same way on the Chronicle version, yep. and I, I timed it once. It's yeah. a 90 second load just to get into your menu from yeah. <laughs> any screen. It's 90 seconds.
2: Yeah, Chrono Trigger is worse than Final Fantasy IV as far as load time. I mean, mm-hmm. As far as load time, my version goes. So I, so I don't know what happened there, but uh, um, no. Um, uh, uh, not only did they have the hard type version of the game with a good translation, uh, they also added on some extra dungeons like onto the end of the game, um, uh, like some other stuff. Uh, this is the version of the game I'd recommend playing. But if you want to play the original classic version of the game, it's a very, very good port of the game. Uh, plus, also portable. Uh, you know, can't go wrong with portable version of the game. So, like you know, like play in the bus, play it in bed. But you know, um, um, uh, they and, and also had the memo, the memo feature, the memo feature to be able to uh, save the game by any point you want to. So, um, very, very good version of the game.
0: I slightly so uh, disagree. I wouldn't recommend the Game Boy Advance version personally. I would recommend the PlayStation Portable version. That's also awesome. yeah, yeah. Oh, I would, just for the fact that I, I wouldn't say it's the true 16-bit graphics, but it still looks 16-bit. But the colors are vibrant. The music is is better than ever. Plus, you get Final Fantasy IV, you get Final Fantasy IV Interlude, and you also get Final Fantasy IV: The After Years. Mm-hmm. And just if you like the game and you're invested in it and the story, you can play through the whole thing without having to, you know, go buy the other versions if you wanted to.
2: Right. Now, uh, sorry, I just a quick question for clarification. Uh, the PSP version of the game, uh, that's the remade. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. I was actually going to mention that. Um, the remade version of the game is also like is also the remade version of the game is, like is also very very good. It's so different than the original version of the game though. I'm kind of counting it, counting almost like two different versions. Uh, like, because it is such a drastic, I, I know, like, drastic remake. Uh, that version of the game originally came out for the Nintendo DS in 2000, 2007, and this but, but it's also available on the Wii and, and it's also available like in Steam. Um, for PCs, like, and also, like on mobile phones, um, the main versions, the main difference of that game, like, is that they redid the graphics. Um, uh, there's cutscenes, the cutscenes in the game now that have like you know 3D, the, the 3D looking cartoon graphics. There's voices in the game also, uh, like, you know, very good voice acting. Um, I like this version a lot, but I know a lot of purists and diehard fans, of the, uh, 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 diehard fans of the series, hated it.
0: Uh, I I can relate to that. I... I wouldn't say they're wrong. Right.
2: So, I mean, like, you know, um, yeah, you know I'd agree with you. Anybody not playing this game the first time probably is better off checking out this version of the game. But, but I was just saying, if you want to play the classic version of the game, the original version of the game, Oops. as was intended to come out back then, the GBA version of the game, like they one to go to. So like, you know, uh, Oh, and, yes, and,
1: yes. You know, this has come from me. Going back to play the original, you know, Super NES version. Um, if anybody's interested in where Final Fantasy grew from, the origins of mechanics, from, not from the, not just from an active time battle system, but in terms of story and, and emotion and um, and plot-driven accessibility in terms of RPG, this is the version you need to play. Game Boy advance is excellent i just want to say if you are going to play on a portable please use headphones because <laughs> who months yeah. is scoring this game is yes. a huge um motivation to play it further like like any said in, at the start of the podcast if you take away the music this game is completely different oh yeah definitely it, it adds this emotional layer on top man I've, I've um i've got a Game Boy advance but i had to buy uh, i got the sp so i had to buy an extension for right. the headphones it was so worth it because. Yeah. The sound is a big part of this uh, this experience, so please go back and, and see where the origins of of Fantasy came from. Right. And I think it's a very playable game to this day. It's got a, quite a timeless feel. Get past the presentation, um, and you'll really, really enjoy yourself.
2: Yeah. And speaking about the music of the game, also, uh, Andy, I'm also curious. Sorry, I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, how do you like the remixed the remixed soundtrack of the game on the DS version, like uh, opposed to the original Super NES one?
0: I have to say I like the Super Nintendo version better, but I'm just a fan of just honestly traditional sixteen bit music. Mm. Yeah. I I don't know exactly why or what about it, but just something about it. I just I listen to it like most other people listen to, you know, popular music <laughs> and whatnot.
2: Well I do also. Yep, right there it, up. It, region,
0: just, so, it but... just has a it just has a feel to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think some versions of the music sound better. The remix, I uh, you know, 3DS soundtrack is very, very good. Um, um, you know, I think some pieces sound better on the 3DS, but I also think some pieces, like, uh, but I also think some pieces like sound better. I sound better like the original Super NES version, So, like you know, it's kind of like you know, come here, come there. So, um, and finally, um, as Andy already mentioned too, uh, this is one of the few games that. Just one of the Final Fantasy games. Actually, the sequel made for it, uh, Final Fantasy: For the After Years, uh, which was originally released the P S P version of the game uh, several years ago. Um, They, um, I did not play this version uh, until recently. They just released this version of the game on Steam about a, a week ago. Uh, so, I bought it on there and, and I played a little bit of it. Uh, I, I haven't finished it yet, but they, um, uh, this is set 16 years after the events of the original game, uh, in which the main character is Cecil Rose's son. Uh, so, the game features both like new and original characters uh, from the original, original game. And, um, and the game is the same graphical style and look and feel of the DS. To the, to the DS remake of the game. Um, so far, I'm liking this. Uh, I think it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, it, it's like it's always, um, I mean, this game's definitely this game's definitely definitely nostalgia driven. They made this. They made specifically. They made, specifically, they made specifically for people like you and me who grew up playing this game and loving the game, and wanted to go back to it. Um, but having said that, I think that I know. I think overall, this game like is very very fun to play. It's definitely worth checking out. Like are a fan of Final Fantasy IV.
0: I would like to amend your statement very politely. This is the only <laughs> Final Fantasy game that has a sequel worth playing.
2: Well <laughs> uh, we're not gonna into a huge like huge Final Fantasy argument like argument <laughs> here, like about the uh, our, 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 our argument here about that, but uh, um, but uh, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, so it, is, like, it is like fair to say, however, this is one so this is one of the few sequels. Uh, that's out there. That's that's out there. So, um, but the, um, so uh, yeah, um, definitely worth checking out. Um, this game. Uh, uh, this is also available, like I said, you know, on the, I uh, PSP, on the Wii, mobile, uh, mobile phones, also that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, um, soundtrack. There's so many good. There's so many good musical pieces of the game. Uh, can you guys mention maybe two or three of your favorites? Red wings over Baron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Start of the game. Very very good. Um,
0: this one might not be exclusive to four, but I just honestly love the 16-bit rendition of you know the Final Fantasy opening, the prelude, you know the do 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 yeah the crystal theme yep.
2: yeah you, yes this game definitely this and seven I think of the uh flag versions the best versions of that theme totally awesome uh,
0: I completely agree yeah. with this and seven yeah
1: I don't have any specific favorite tracks I think the whole score is fabulous and um, Cop so well put together no, like I don't. I'm not aware of the track names, uh, to be honest with you. But um, like you, Andy, I love 68-bit music, and um, I didn't come in on before, but I really do. I think there's some, there's a flavour about it that's characteristic about it that's um, really beautiful, and it, maybe it is a nostalgic thing, but something about the Super Nintendo and its and its music in general. I think this game takes advantage completely of the, of the sound chip that it's um, that it has, and I just can't, I can't state enough the emotional layer that it applies to this game. And it really like I put, I put when I'm playing the ROM I'm playing it on a um, a laptop you know I'm, I'm cranking this music up like I put it up loud when I'm playing the game because it just it's beautiful from the battle the tense battle scenes to the um, ambiotic, uh layered like just like you said that um, crystal room theme um, that's in other Final Fantasies it's just yeah it's beautiful
2: yes definitely I make, you know uh, I like definitely took uh, yeah, you definitely you definitely made the statement I was going to say. I mean, I mean, like, the, I, 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 I mean, this soundtrack was this soundtrack was designed and built specifically for the Super NES uh, uh, a hardware. Uh, this would not have the same. Uh, I mean, like this this soundtrack would not have the this soundtrack would not have the same sound coming out of an NES or Genesis or Genesis <laughs> in the console yeah. uh, because that you know like unique orchestral orchestra based soundtrack uh, hardware which the system had. Yeah. So. Um, yeah.
1: And I think um, the application of this of the soundtrack because it's, I think this is the first Final Fantasy where you know when something happened in the story um, it will be triggered by a different song so you know a lot of the rooms you'd enter have one song and then something happens in the plot and then another song would come on top mm-hmm. to add that additional yep. layer so they're little things but it really makes a difference when playing this game it gives it uh, like I said an emotional layer and it's done so well
2: yep yeah definitely absolutely like,
0: like it was said earlier in the podcast, it's more—it's almost like an interactive novel. Mm, definitely, says so on. It's a good point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mentioned earlier uh, that this game—that this game should have a number of like, you know, bugs, bugs, glitches, odd features, that kind of stuff. Uh, some of these, I know, reading up, reading up on some of these and doing the research, like doing the research, like the research on these. So this is one of the reasons I love the game so much. Uh, some of these bugs I was not aware of. It's amazing the fact how, like for a long time, every time I play this game, I always, um, uh, I always, I, uh, I, always I, uh, I always would discover something new, something new in the game, something, something I missed earlier. Um, and some of these, in some of these bug I never even knew about. I, I mean, just to give you guys an example. Um, like the village of Mist, uh, that first village to you go to that are in the game, um, there's there's a secret passage behind the fireplace that you, can, uh, like one of the houses that you can walk down to, well, walk down uh, and pick up uh, and pick up a chest. Um, super many version of the game because it's easy type, you can see kind of hint of a passageway. Later version of the game don't even have the hint of the passageway. But you know I but you know I never found the away until after I played this game like 10 years later. Sorry for the first time I found that this game's loaded with secrets. So uh, I just, I definitely, definitely one of the things, one of the things I love about it. But uh, um, I'll just mention the, uh, so I'll just mention the big glitches here, like real quick here. Um, there's a way to be able to get 255 like any item in the game, uh, thanks to a glitch. Um, uh, uh, there's a way to be able to revive an enemy. Uh, so you can like kill an enemy, uh, bring them back to life, and then kill them again. And you can exploit this to be able to get like huge amounts of, like a guild and experience uh, as the game goes on. Um, the original Japanese version of the game uh, had a bug in the game where certain areas of the game uh, monsters monsters would get displayed in the wrong dungeons. And because of that, the game the game self-correct. The, uh, because of that, the game self-shit. The the, the, the game self-correction mechanism. Would kick in and would kill and cause some of the enemies to suicide themselves. Um, so kind of like an interesting glitch. Uh, there's also a glitch that allows you to be able to equip any item in the game, keeping uh, the character shouldn't shouldn't be able to, the character shouldn't be able to equip that item. Um, and it's also a way to be able to bypass uh, a couple of, uh, to bypass a, 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 to bypass a couple a, a couple of key of key events in the game to keep people to, to keep people in a party that you shouldn't. That you should have access to, which will cause the game to glitch and free and freeze later on if you do that. So um, there's also there's also a way to be able to cast uh, Sif when it summons variety of free, slight magic cost, uh, and and you can also um, and there's also also glitched uh, with Stop and a bunch of other spells in the game that can cause some freezing of the game also. So um, and finally the most um, uh, the two most Probably most 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 well known uh, uh, hidden things of the game is the adamant armor and the developer's room. So uh, I think I think Andy's the one who mentioned who mentioned the adamant armor earlier. Uh, uh, the pink tails, uh, I, like items in the game, um, uh, very late in the game. Uh, in the last entry of the game, the Lunar underground fifth floor. Uh, There's an L-shaped room. If you, if you go into that room, like a news and use an alert item, you can summon some enemy called Pink Puffs, uh, and, and there's a 1 chance that the enemy will drop a pink tail. Uh, this is the same 164 uh, uh, chance ratio, by the way, that the original Final Fantasy had uh, running into Tiamat, uh, uh toward the end of the game also. So, they, so Square is a way of doing the 164 glitch in, uh, like several other games. If, if you're lucky enough to get that pink tail and bring it to the Adamant Grotto in uh, Adamant, uh, it's say to turn into the Adamant Armor, the best armor in the game. Um, I've done this before as a kid. It is a lot of time and a lot of grinding to do this. And mantra sure worthwhile, <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, uh, but if you purists out there, it's still available. Available in the remake version of the game too. So um, so uh, and then also the um, uh, this this virtual super NES version of the game th- 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 does not have this. The other version of the game do. Uh, but there's a uh, but there's a hidden developer's room in the game. Um, and it's in the dwarven castle of Slay Underworld. world. Um, uh, there's between the weapons and armor shop that you can go into the rally hole pub, and there's also, um, and that brings you to the hidden developer's room, and and, um, and some people in the, the the people who made the game are actually in the room, and you can talk to them that kind of stuff. which is pretty cool. Um, there's also hidden a uh, uh, there's also hidden a uh, dirty magazine that you can also find in the game too, which will. Uh, that's.
1: I don't know why. i they have to break the fourth wall. Like just, it's, it's, it's crazy annoying for me when I see things like that.
2: Yeah, it know, takes
1: away the immersion. I mean, it's a cool aspect. then yeah. You're wrong but you're so immersed in this game, and then all of a sudden you can go meet the developers in a room. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. I I kind of like that. It's it's sort of <laughs> like the developers. I mean, it's like you said, it's breaking the fourth wall. I just. I have the reverse view on it. Yeah. yeah just, for just the fact you know, they took the time to, you know, do a little, do a little something like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's not right
1: in front of you, you gotta find it. And I'm not trying to be hate or yeah. anything. I just you know, yeah.
0: it's a, Oh I mean everybody has
1: their own their own taste. You know. Yeah. It's just the creators um, aspect when they put that in. Hideo kojima does it a lot with his games and you know I just uh, I'm so when I'm immersed in an RPG, the last thing I wanna see is something like that, but that's on an original playthrough. I think if you're a fan of the game and, and you play another version, it's a cool touch. It definitely is. I can yeah. see that.
2: Yeah. Um, so like looking up this pricing of this game, like on eBay, uh, this game this game was not expensive as like it was gonna be uh, because uh, because like RPGs, particularly for Super NES right now, like uh, pretty expensive. Uh, but probably because of the popularity of this game now. Um, I mean, the game sold fairly well back then. Uh, it wasn't smash hit or anything, but you, but you know, like you know, I expect the um, I expect the game to go for a lot more money than it actually did. But uh, there's a lot of copies of this like this available. set uh, three, uh, 329 copies, reasonably slow, 79 copies uh, currently active. Uh, you can pick up the cart by itself, which is not bad for anywhere from like 10.30 to to ten dollars and thirty cents to nine dollars by Vancouver shipping. Same um, one CIB pricing. That's a little bit more expensive, but used to uh, that ranges from 54, 68, all the way up to whopping 200, to 260 to 267 dollars. So um, uh, car pricing is not that bad for this game. CIB is right about right about what I paid for it back then. Uh, it's a new game actually, so like you know, um, um, not as expensive as some other RPGs that priced slight like price on eBay. So. Um, like I said, you know this game this game's commonly available in many many formats and for, uh, formats many many ways. So like you know, uh, you want a version of it in your platform, hey, you can probably find it. So um, um, uh, so anyway, uh, like we've said, this is definitely is definitely well worth checking out. Uh, so if you can get over the 16-bit graphics. Uh, and some of the and some of the and some of the gameplay mechanisms and mechanics there's kind okay of, uh, mechanics are still kind of stuck firmly me uh, the like firmly the old school eight the old the old school eight bit days. Uh, this is really a wonderful RPG uh to get into. I think both this and six showing up very well these days being like you know a pinnacle of like you know of gameplay and, and uh game storytelling and music and characters. So uh, it's definitely uh so definitely uh so definitely so definitely, so definitely worth checking out. Um if you have to, so if you have the tolerance for it, I recommend the classic, the classic version of the GBA. Um, did red rather play the enhanced version, of the, the enhanced graphics, the, the, the enhanced graphics and voices, uh, the DS, uh, with mobile phone or whatever version that you get it on, uh, the remake, the remake version of the game, like, it's, like it's also very, very good. Uh, it certainly adds a lot of gameplay value and uh, gameplay value enhancement, enhancement to the game. Do either one of you guys have some final thoughts, um, like final feelings like about this game, um so before we like wrap things up.
0: If you haven't played it, play it. If you have to buy it, download it, use an emulator,
1: yeah. however you have to do it, play it at least once. Mm. I think um, for casual gamers, uh, who don't like grindy RPGs, like myself. This is actually a really good game um, for that because it, the plot just takes you through. You just go to the next point to the next point without having to worry about um, grinding through a dungeon to get a higher level to get past the next stage. I think it does does a really good job holding your hand a little bit when it comes to that. Um, but it's it's I didn't find it to be super easy. Um, I found there's enough challenge there for me to be to enjoy it as a um, you know as a um, as a challenge. So yeah, anyone looking for a A nice RPG with a great plot um, an accessible battle system and also like I said prior to see where Final Fantasy built on this is one of the original titles um, and I think it's important if you are a fan of the series to go get out there and play this if you haven't already because like I said I've come from a a history of playing the later titles first and now coming back to this with a fresh mindset it was it's been a very enjoyable experience and I could probably say it's in my top five Final Fantasies um, that I've played anywhere
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, but actually, actually, I think overall the difficulty of this level is pretty good—not too easy, not too hard. But, yeah. um, but this game does have one of the most hardest boss fights I've ever—I've ever done before. Final Fantasy game. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Uh, um, I think it's called the Devil's Wall, like the Death Wall. Uh, Demon Wall? The Demon Wall, yes. It, it's a staple of Final Fantasy. Oh, boy. It may have
0: started in this game, yeah. but it's in quite a few titles.
2: That is a nasty boss fight.
0: It, it always, always is you had. But you But you had. Yeah, I have
1: done it. That's the wall that obviously uh, moves through the screen, yeah? Yes. That's, yeah, it just advances towards you. I, I honestly, like, I've, I haven't had any issues with any of the bosses, to be honest with you. Um, uh, not to say that I'm excellent in this game, because I'm, I'm probably not. But I. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think back on my experience with it. It just. Yeah, I didn't die, that's for sure. Um, but yeah. The, the, the bosses haven't been too easy. I just haven't died. I just feel like they've just been the right challenge, and there's a there's a satisfaction with beating a boss, um, even if you haven't died. That there was a challenge there, and you had you had this tense moment where it's like, oh wow, this is close. Or my my party um, is you, because you're managing your party's deaths and um, making sure that they're all alive and, and doing their thing. But I had no issue, um, and even if there is a tough boss in any game. That's expected in a, um, in a well-constructed, um, especially in an RPG, when yeah. you've obviously led up to that point. The story's driven you up to that point where you build your character, you leveled up, you prepared your party, and you're coming up against a challenge. And if you do die, you learn so much from that experience. where you can go back and now, okay, I need to make sure next time that I do this or I do that or or my party member equips this or I have the right armor. Like and it all started from there because even like the magic system, now, Greg, if you don't mind me touching it up on that quickly. Sure. You know, learning how to buff magic and and uh, applying that in the right way is so important in this game because there's a there's a delay. It's not like other uh, other Final Fantasies After This where if you actioned a a magic or a spell, that um, it happened pretty much straight away once your um, once your party was up to attack. In this game, there's a there's a waiting period. Um, so you've got to balance your that. You've got to apply a magic attack and then wait for it to come up. So you've got to ta- um, ta- tactic that into your um, playing style as well. So I found that really uh, enjoyable. And again, it's a very rewarding experience when you beat a boss, especially when you plan for it. Yeah,
2: well, I, mean, I think that's... Um, I actually think a big part of that is the fact you actually have a fifth person in your a fifth, like yeah. fifth person in your party. Because this game basically when Bob has a game to have, like, to have to have five people in a party. Obviously yeah. the more obviously the more characters in a party, uh, the stronger your party is. So having like yeah. five people in your party really, really helps. Um, I'm sure this game I'm sure this game is like a lot more difficult, uh, by four having four people in your party uh, for example. So, yeah. Um, for me, the the challenge,
1: the biggest challenge I've had so far, and you know, I haven't finished it. I'm at, I'm at the end. When I went to go get um, Leviathan and yes. the Queen, they're yep. the hardest that I've had. I've had to. That's so when I, I retract my statement, I haven't died. I have died many times <laughs> um, against those two specific. But when I again, when I got to know their their attacking styles and their patterns, yeah. um, I knew exactly what I do, and that was a really enjoyable experience for me.
2: Uh, also, also another boss that came to mind, and this guy's optional, so I'm not sure if you found him. Uh, did you find Odin? Uh, can you Odin. Uh, Odin? Can you just give me some more data, Sorry, I'm just trying to think. Odin's an optional boss that you pick up in the sub-basement, like sub-basement uh, like House of the Castle Baron.
0: Wasn't he actually the King of Baron, and he turned into Odin? Yes. I just wanted For to make sure, sure I remembered that right are not
1: retired. What's the reward? What's the reward when you beat him? Uh, oh. Odin Summon. Yeah. Just,
0: he usually just kills weaker enemies with just a single hit like most other games. I think he still has a regular attack if it's a strong enemy. Though.
1: I
2: think I yeah. think I have him,
1: but I have to double-check. I just got my Sorry, I'm really bad at names. Yeah, it's Especially
2: pretty awesome to miss him because oh. he's an optional character. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, there are some yeah. of these... <laughs>
0: I think there's one character that's like I'm. I hear something down this hallway, but I'm scared to go.
1: And you go down there and you find Odin. <laughs> sounds like I'll have, I'll have to I'll have to go back if I haven't. If I haven't played him yet, I'm definitely gonna go check that out because that sounds really cool.
2: Yeah, because like he's optional. I think the, I know. I think the I think the king and queen uh, summoner, summoners yes. uh, down in the underworld uh, are, are optional. Um, and I think um, and. I, um, I think Leviathan and Bahamut are, op- are also optional. Uh, like you're not required to get them either. So, but very, very strongly recommended because they're very, very powerful attacks. So, um, yeah. but oh, side note, can I also say how much I love, like how much I love the, how much I love the fact this game, this game, this game came with a four save spots. That was like unheard of back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, it really good. is. Yeah for that time period of course yes exactly Yeah, that's what yeah. you can rely on now I've got save states which is just a right. blessing for once but it takes away a little bit I guess from the pure experience but yeah I, I can see why that would be drive. very helpful what yeah. was that sorry Andy? Uh, I was
0: going to make a joke you know 150 gig hard drive oh you've got about a million save <laughs> spots you're alright
1: exactly
2: but there's so many games like when you had Super NES days where we, like either had a single save spot or, like there's two save spots so like you know like god help you like if you know if somebody like somebody like somebody played your game and erased your save or like you know you made a mistake and left yeah. uh, you yourself up having four save states was so they four spots it was so important that they mentioned the box cover that's how important it was <laughs> it's a agent yes so. definitely so um yeah. mm. but uh so um anyway uh like I said earlier this game this game' this game this game's very popular. Uh, very popular among uh, both Final Fantasy fans and also like, you know, classic RPGers. Um, the feedback we got on Facebook definitely you know, definitely reflects that. Uh, yeah. Thank so you. I got one here from yep. um,
1: Matt Daly. Um, he says, truly one of my all-time favorites. I remember playing it for many hours trying to get every single item. Um, the elusive pink towel was especially tough to get and the soundtrack and story totally drew me in. I'm a fan of the series to this day even though it has become rather strange to say the least um paul Stevenson um right still one of my top 10 rpgs of all time with an amazing soundtrack and andrew morris touches on that as well he used to watch his cousin play just to hear the music um so thanks guys for um contributing and applying your feedback to the page we love it keep it coming in um it's awesome thank you mm.
2: yes definitely so um yeah um uh, and, you know, that's Final Fantasy 4, and as much as we've gushed about this game for the last, oh, almost hour and a half, believe me, we've just barely scratched the surface of the game. I mean, yes. you, know, um, you know, I probably put a good 30 hours into this game as a kid trying to get through it. Uh, trying to, like, if you take your time and, you know, really like, explore the game and like, do all the awesome stuff and whatnot, yeah, you can very easily clock in, like, 30 hours. Uh, I think 15, 20 hours is very doable for me the game. Uh, nowadays yeah. but you know but you know really like a really immense yeah, immense gameplay experience uh, definitely yeah. well worth checking out uh, like you're like, you're, like you're even like remotely a fan like of RPGs so um, uh, so uh, Andy I want to thank you again very much for coming to podcast with us I uh, you know this was Andy's suggestion just like just to, cover, to cover this game the podcast and I did not need my arm twisted uh, to be able to talk about this game because it just, it just, it just, it just brings my deep love of it so um, we very much appreciate you coming on the podcast. Podcast with us, uh, with us to share your thoughts, and memories, and experiences experiences of the system, playing on with this game.
0: Well, thank you guys. I enjoyed talking about it.
2: Now you mentioned, now you mentioned to me earlier off mic that you're are uh, also thinking about so you're also thinking about thinking about getting your own podcast started pretty soon, right?
0: Yes. So, uh, just, just mainly, not. Not SNES specifically, although I am a very big Super Nintendo fan. I was more going to lean just retro in general, probably sticking to 8 and 16 bits, but more just a broader spectrum. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, and, definitely.
0: Um, I would like to throw something in here for anybody that hasn't played Final Fantasy IV. If you have a friend or little brother or cousin, something like that, you can actually play this game with two players if you simply just have another controller plugged in. Either controller can issue commands.
2: That's right.
1: So I not yeah. wow, didn't didn't know that. that. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: I thought about it, honestly, while we were talking, and I wanted to look it up real quick, and I just I happened to find verification real quick, and I just wanted to throw that out there. It might make it a little more fun or, you know, just get somebody to play it that might not want to play it or be a little, little trepidant, I guess.
2: Yeah, I remember doing that myself, but I do remember hearing that Mo was there. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh...
1: I'd just like to put a shout out as well, if we can, just for the community on Facebook. Um, if you guys haven't joined yet, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash The SNES Podcast. We really pay, appreciate all the engagement that you guys give us, and um, let us know what your thoughts are on the games that we're tackling, or even if you have any suggestions, um, to contact Greg or the page specifically. Um, and also, uh, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, once again, we love feedback, so we really appreciate you guys uh, getting involved. By the way, congratulations
0: on 400 likes on the Facebook page. Yes, thank you so much.
2: Yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, this podcast is also available, like so also available on Stitcher, Flagberg Stream it that way. If um, you want to, you want to email me directly uh, about the podcast, you can do so at thesnespodcast podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, the next game in two weeks is yet to be decided. Uh, we think we know what it is, but there may be a last minute of change of plans, so I don't want to announce it but quite yet. I uh, appreciate the Facebook page. I, I, I will post an update on there as soon as we confirm what the next game is going to be.
1: Yeah, and you guys can um, find me on Twitter at Alessandro Diossi. Andy, do you have a Twitter handle that you want to share or you want to plug anything while you're here? Um, I don't really use Twitter
0: that much. I have one. I can't honestly remember my handle because I just hardly use it. Um, I'm on
1: Facebook. It's just my name, Andy Mangrum. If you want to talk yeah, about Final and- Fantasy or video games well, like share that, us, when you uh, have your podcast information, just share it with us and we'll get it out there for sure. We'll definitely support you, Andy. Thank you so much.
2: Yes, no definitely. problem. And thank you. And Thank you again very much, uh, everybody out there, and take care.